0: welcome to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. Hope all of you are doing well. Today we're going to continue. It's kind of along the same line of parenting, but today is more about traditional, non-traditional, and blended families. How do they look different? How do they look alike? And I think there's probably more similarities and there are differences But I think it's what do the individuals in each situation do that makes it feel like a unit. And, you know, when we think back historically, people want to feel like they're a part of something. And the first place that we do that is in our family. If we don't feel like we belong or fit in the family, then that's when you'll see people seeking things outside of the family. It could be a church. It could be a gang. It could be anything, a club at school. It doesn't matter. We will seek out those things where we feel a sense of belonging. So for me, I come from what we would consider a traditional family. My parents were married the entirety of their life, 67 years. And I have five brothers and five sisters. So very, very big family by today's standards anyway. So very much what we call the traditional family.
1: And mine, I guess you would call it blended, I suppose, even though like, I said I was raised in the home primarily by myself, but I have a half brother who is like quite a few years older than me. And then I have a younger brother who was adopted and he's quite a bit younger than me. And my sister, she's like my honorary adopted sister. (laughs) And so she was in the home for part of the time. But just now and then it wasn't every single day. So,
0: but it was enough time that you guys formed that very family or familia based uh, relationship that is still current today. Yes. Well, and what's interesting about your family is because it blends all of them together because you're traditional in that your mom and dad for you were married the entirety of it's your mom's first marriage. So it's a little bit different. So yours is like, traditional and blended all together. Yeah. Because your parents were married, your mom was only married to your father, had you, and then he passed away. So they didn't have that divorce within themselves. Right. They
1: were together my my whole life. So I think that they were married for thirty-four years and like you said, until my dad passed. So yeah, it was the traditional in that sense, but yeah, blended in that Like I say, my siblings and how that works. but
0: And for you, I think being a little bit different too, is that your older brother, because he was so much older than you, you really didn't have that same kind of relationship with him because you didn't really know him that well.
1: Yeah, we weren't connected in that way so much. My dad was 24 years older than my mom. So he was married before and he, um, so his my older brother being much older than me, um, like I said, wasn't raised in the home with me. So.
0: And then you, they adopt the younger brother
1: and. Yeah. So then it was having a little brother. And at that point, I was already almost 21 when he came to live with us. So I was only in the home with him for maybe a year or two uh, before I moved out. And then my parents ended up moving a long distance from me, like. 20 hours away so he grew up kind of you know as an only child
0: yeah and i think that's interesting because you know you can have there's so many combinations that we have today that are very different i think than it maybe used to be i think you know when we look now the lbgtq plus community we have people who are in that community who would be considered traditional in that their family is intact so it's a couple who has their kids and they stay married. And so there's no divorce, no anything. But so it's traditional in that way, but it's considered a non-traditional because it's not a man and a woman. So when we look at these things, a lot of stuff has changed over the years of what even that non-traditional family looks like, or a blended family looks like. There's so many things that
1: play into what families look like now. And I mean, you look at like how many families there are out there of people that have divorced and gone into new relationships. And then they have children from those previous relationships. And then you have all these children together, different personalities. So yeah.
0: And even now, and even along those same lines, you have these, this couple who was married traditional, they divorce, and then they get with the same gender. And so that creates this other piece of that, what we consider non-traditional And, you know, then we have, of course, grandparents, and this has been something that's been around for a long time where grandparents are raising their grandchildren as their own. I had one of my clients just recently adopted her grandson. She's very, very happy about that. It's the, it's kind of the mom that he knows, you know, and this just made it this official thing, but he, you know, knowing that these are my new parents and my grandparents. So there's two roles that they play in that and how That's kind of a mind shift because, you know, oftentimes I'll hear people say, I can hardly wait till I'm a grandparent because then I don't have the responsibility and I just get to be the fun person. You know, I it's not about, it's just having that relationship that's very different between a grandparent and a grandchild. And then it shifts somewhere and now the grandparent becomes the parent. And so the child has to shift with that too. But wait a minute, you're my grandparent. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on into that and and it makes parenting look different sometimes. And we have more people who are adopting and doing stuff like that, whether it's adopting from outside the home, whereas your brother is adopted out of the system. When we have kids who are adopted that are in the system, that comes with their, a whole bunch of stuff. Your brother was really little, uh, so it's a little bit different, but he was still in the system. But you have these kids who have been in the system a while, you know, and then they get to their six, seven years old. But they got in the system and there were one or two, you know, a majority of their life has been in the system. And then, you know, they're adopted into this home and they struggle with that sense of belonging because yeah. they didn't belong anywhere before.
1: Because a lot of time, well, so being in the system, meaning that a lot of times they've been in and out of foster homes mm-hmm. and things like that. Fortunately, like you said, my brother came to live with us when he was very young. He was only 18 months. So,
0: yeah. And I think when you look at that, there's. All of these things can add, it adds depth to the relationships, I think, but it can also bring in a lot of stuff that has to be navigated in a different way. Because a lot of times, even when you adopt, you don't know everything often about biological parents. You know, was there mental health illness? Was there just illness in general? You just don't have those same things. So you just kind of do it on faith and you bring them in and you do the best that you can with them. But once again, how do you make You know, I talked before from early on, we want to belong, you know, and how do we create that space and that sense of belonging for each of the individuals that are in our lives? And, you know, we do that when we marry. You get married, your thing is, is you're creating, you take, I guess, some traditions or whatever from what you know, you throw out what you didn't want and you get to bring in what you want and create your new stuff and all of that. So even in that, you're blending different cultures sometimes, different ethnic backgrounds, parenting styles, different, likes, dislikes, different points <laughs> of view for sure. And that's one
1: of the things I think that's really important is being on the same page because there you are, you're coming from two different backgrounds a lot of times and being on the same page with that person and your parenting styles and not just that, but like different things that you're going to teach that child
0: and it's interesting because you know when if you talk to somebody who's a little bit older and if they say oh yeah my parents gave me the look they'll be like oh yeah that means you you didn't hay up but you tell that to kids today and they don't under that there's different there're these slight little variations that are happening and this is not that one is better than the other it's nothing like that because we will change as society and times change but the thing is is that there are some things that are not going to change When we look at brain development, when we look at social-emotional development, those things are very different than what we're talking about with parenting styles. Parenting styles may have to morph and change based on that. But our ages and stages of development, things like that, that have been around forever, there's some real validity to that. So, but it's still, how do you still work with the same thing of brain development, social-emotional development, and all of that with the new surge of things. Our biggest thing that's changed is electronics. The generation that's being born now, they're born into an age of electronics. So it's very different. Because of that electronics, relationships might look different. And once again, it's not a comparison. Or it's not saying one is better than the other. It's how do we as adults, and particularly, you know, as a therapist, you know, when I talk with other therapists about this, how do we continue to move with that to help people be the most effective in their parenting and not just their parenting, but in their relationship development? How do we teach children to talk and verbalize when a lot more they're verbalizing through an electronic?
1: Yeah, we're, we're handing children you know, phones at a really young age and and that we've never seen before, you know. And so you, you do see a lot of the time where the child is absorbed into that device, whatever it is. And so you have to think that that's going to impact their social skills, you know, if that's the main thing that they do all the time.
0: And, you know, that's a really good point because I'll often, parents will often tell me, well, it's an iPad or it's a leapfrog pad or whatever, and and it's their learning. But see, the thing is, is in learning, is that if I'm a person teaching a kid the ABCs, I'm having an interaction with them on a more personal level. So when I'm talking about the A for Apple, I can be using facial expressions. I can be doing all this that they're looking at and they're learning all of that stuff. So it's much more in-depth than them just learning the alphabet or their shapes or their colors.
1: There's a piece to that that you're right. It would be missing because if, for example, to me, I think a good way to look at it would be you enjoy watching performers and stuff like that on TV. Maybe it's a performer you really like. If they're going to have a show, you're going to want to go and see that. But how much better is it for you when you can go and see them in a live concert? You want to be there because there's an energy and everything that goes with that. It's different than seeing something on a screen. I think it's kind of along the same concept, same idea. You know that when you're having one-on-one interaction with somebody, it's going to be different than when you're just watching something on a screen.
0: And you know, it's interesting because we've had to, through COVID, we went to telehealth and a lot of people were there like, oh my God, this isn't going to work, whatever. But... In that, there's still an interaction. And that's what I tell people. The person's not sitting there. I'm not recording something that they're watching. We're still having an interaction. We're still having the verbalization. We're still having the facial expression, the laughter, whatever that is. So it's a little bit different. Is it still different than in person? Absolutely. But it's still a connection. When I'm doing something on a screen, when I'm doing trainings, and the person isn't really, it's a recorded training or whatever, it does feel that there's, you're right, there's not the energy. You can zone out, you know, anything. Hence why kids do that often. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, and you know, so there's a lot of stuff that we're navigating. And once again, not saying that one is better than the other, or we're, we're not talking about good versus bad, or anything like that.
1: Just different. Because too, it's even like, if you just talk to somebody over the phone, that's good. But... I noticed like the few times, because my mom was far away, that we've done like video conversation that seems to help sometimes in a different way than just talking over the phone even. So it's those different types of interactions, like you said, learning to navigate that, especially through COVID. I've realized that because we've done video calls more and things like that, even with my sister. So
0: it's a different thing. And it's even different because, and Christy knows this, I am not one to text. OK, the reason why is because it to me, it doesn't have that personal feel as much. You can kind of make it as much. I'm more I'll call you on the phone. I'll talk to you because then I can hear the changes in your voice. And that helps me. I, it feels different to me. You know, I have some friends. I love my friend Sandra Dearly, and she's one to text and she knows I'm not. So if there's something that is going to be more than three or four sentences that I'm I, I'm not going to do, it. I'm going to call her up and I'm going to have a conversation but once again, that's the way in which I feel like I'm making more of a connection. And that's what this is all about is how do we make those connections within a family unit? Because that connectedness is what is really important. That thing of sense of belonging. And then even with that, one of the other things that will often happen and you know, we had, you know, we had June on last week and, you know, she talked about being a single parent. Being a single parent is different than having two parents sometimes because sometimes we have two parents and one is totally disengaged anyway. So you might as well be a single parent. So that happens too. It doesn't mean that just because there's two parents in the household that that is more effective than one parent because it's what is that engagement with in the system? It's everybody's contribution that makes it that. Exactly. And so once again, when you marry somebody, it's about that connectedness. And through that connectedness, then you build that family unit, whatever that is. But there are different challenges sometimes depending on what that is. You know, June talked about that. Being a single parent, not having that help and assistance she needed, going through. And then through a divorce, you're going through your own emotional stuff. But at the same time, you're expected to parent. So, you you know, it's how do you navigate the emotional stuff that i'm going through and still at the same time being an effective parent so that's a struggle and then you have the poor kids now they're in this situation where i have a parent who lives here and i have a parent who lives here and that thing of being divided i want they want to be loyal to both but it's hard so now they have to make a connectedness us with these two the parents get with somebody else now, they're the ones who are being brought into a situation that is very, very different. But yet we expect them to just be okay with it. We expect them because, well, I love Christy, so by golly, they're going to love Christy. No, it doesn't work that way because it's a relationship that is built. As the adults. you're building that relationship with that other adult without the child. Then you just introduce this new person to the child or this child is still trying to get through this divorce situation, trying to navigate it and then you know when they're acting out and stuff now the child is being defiant no the child is hurting or the child is confused but as adults we'll use that well i hear that all the time that my child is being defiant no your child is trying to give you a message they're unhappy something's not okay with them and every once in a while it is them being defiant because they're they're, they're trying to learn to navigate the rules and is this real and is this not real and even in that i believe parents need to have that relationship with their children but, you know, I've done this job for a long time. And then, you know, this one week here and one week there. Think about this. If you as an adult were required to go to another house for a week, then to another house for a week and do those rules, then go back to this house and do these rules. Even if at a job you had to go back and forth. And so could you imagine the chaos that would cause in your head? But yet we expect children to be adaptable to that. And personally, I think that's insane. I
1: think That would be really difficult. I mean, I know I don't adapt to changes easily. I mean, even through the whole thing with COVID, we went from the office working at home. I was kicking against it and I didn't want that. And now we've been going back to the office some of the time and that is really hard for me. I got used to working at home. So I can imagine having to go back and forth like that would be a real struggle for me. And I'm sure I probably would have acted out too.
0: (laughs) But you know, what's interesting because you even know based on your personality and based on not liking that change and struggling a little bit more with adaptability, these children at this young age, you're an adult who's been able to identify that. But being a child, you can't identify that sometimes. So that becomes a struggle.
1: So then too, if you don't have the words to say that, you're definitely probably going to act out.
0: And, you know, we talk about that blended family, but anyway, you know, we talk about grandparents. And now we're going to talk a little bit about the LGBTQ plus community. You know, when you have two dads or two moms and you're a child being raised by that, we're thank goodness it is getting better, but this is still a progression. It's still not where it probably needs to be. And that that still looked as a little bit different, but I think we're getting better about that because I think kids are looking at sexuality different too which is, you know, I guess it's the evolution and, you know, everything's always evolving.
1: Well, yeah. And you could even see it in general, like sometimes now you will see commercials that it's a couple that are two female or two male. So, and you never saw that before. So there are some changes that are
0: happening. Yes. And I think it's a good thing because historically when that wasn't happening, that child, even though they may come from a very loving home and have parents who truly love and support them and everything being in that social construct, once again, that desire to belong, feeling like they don't belong. And you're right. There's so much change to that. And, and it's um, it's it's good because we need that representation. We need that. And we have more gay and lesbian couples who are having children and raising children. And you're right. Now we have, you know, there's that. you You see celebrities who are doing it and having kids, whether it's Ricky Martin or Melissa Etheridge. I mean, the list goes on of, uh, of that. But there's now something that's identifiable and that makes it a little bit easier. But it's still traditional with non-traditional. When a kid hears, well, one of the things, and I heard this not too long ago, that, well, if you raise a child in a homosexual home, they're going to be homosexual. But that makes absolutely no sense because usually a majority A majority, majority of the time, children are raised by heterosexuals. And if that was the case, then everybody would be heterosexual. So the logic of that is just really mind blowing. And, and I had a kid ask me that one day, (laughs) how is that possible? Then how come, you know, and this is a child who could understand and say, well, this doesn't even make sense. So I think those are the things that we're looking at. And once again, you know, there's an evolution going on and sometimes people dig their heels in when there's change and when there's, you know, these, this change in, Our society, and it's a societal change is what it is, that makes it difficult for people. It's being able to be respectful of the fact that they're struggling with it, and that's okay. Not everybody has to be on the same page at the same time.
1: Definitely, because there's still a a lot of controversy, obviously, even though there are some things changing. But this morning, even, I had seen in the news that there's a, a teacher that is refusing to use pronouns for transgender students, saying based on his religious beliefs. He won't use those other pronouns for them. So, I mean, there's still a lot of that kind of stuff that you see happening.
0: And then, you know, once again, then the child, where does that child find that sense of belonging or do they? And, you know, oftentimes when children aren't finding that sense of belonging, you know, whether it's being bullied or whatever it is, you know, we know that we've had an increase in suicide among uh, our youth. And and that's just really sad. It shouldn't be happening. Suicide shouldn't be happening anyway. But when we have youth, oftentimes it's that feeling of not belonging. Where do I fit in? Why do I feel different? And that starts in the home.
1: I feel like I have a good example of that with my cousin, because he was displaced from his home, because the parents, they were having problems. But he went to live with his grandmother, my aunt. And I have to say that even though, you know, he wasn't in his traditional home, he at least felt the love that she had for him. And I feel like that helped him so much along the way that at least had that sense of belonging from her. He knew that his parents, or he knew that his mother loved him, but I feel like that piece he at least belongs somewhere is what helped him to, as he has grown, to be a better person.
0: And I think that's what's interesting too, is I think that people looking in may see a situation as maybe dysfunctional or whatever, but not understanding that maybe if you're not the most effective parent, by golly, if you can love your child and they can feel that, you're the most effective parent because it is through that love and nurturing. And you may not always get it right. You may raise your voice or you may do a lot of things or you may disconnect sometimes or you may have your own issues that you're dealing with or whatever, but your children know that you love them. That's that foundation. That is that connectedness. That's the piece that is the most important. And it's the most important piece, not just for children, but for people in general. But if you feel connected when you're a child, you will, it's easier for you to make those connections later on. Oftentimes when I'm working with clients, I can tell if they didn't have that connection because they don't know what that is in other relationships. They don't trust it because they don't know what it is. They don't know what it's supposed to feel like.
1: Because if they think they receive that love based on conditions, that is not the connection that we're talking about. If you are providing love to that child and they know, regardless of what they become when they're an adult or whatever, they have that
0: support from you. That makes a huge difference. And I think too, once again, I grew up in such a big family and it wasn't until later that I realized we didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> in fact, we didn't have a lot at all. We were considered poor. But the thing is, within my system, I don't think you would talk to any of my siblings and they would say that we were poor because at the end of the day, we knew that our parents loved us. They encouraged us as, as a family and then as individuals. And it doesn't mean that there weren't you know rocky moments in, there's rocky moments in every family system. But they become minimized when you have that foundation to fall back on. And I tell parents when I work with them, whether it's traditional, non-traditional, blended, whatever, it doesn't matter. If I've known them long enough and I know the child too, and the child starts acting, I'll tell them, it's going to be okay. And they'll say, but how can you say that they're doing this, this, and this? I said, yeah, but they're just navigating teenage years or whatever. I said, because you already established the foundation. And so that foundation is going to carry on with them. And those are the things that are important, that foundation. How we do that is through our words, through our actions, but it's more through our actions. When our words and our actions don't match, that just creates an incongruency, uh, a dysregulation in us that we don't understand. And then it makes us suspicious almost.
1: it's confusion when you see somebody, you know, telling you, don't do this, but that's the very thing that they're doing.
0: You know, you can tell the difference here because Christy used the word confusion. And then even as I was speaking and saying incongruency and that I'm thinking, no, what's another good word for that? (laughs) Because I'm used to, we talk about incongruencies as a therapist and stuff like that. So thanks for that. (laughs) In my head, I was really thinking that, no, that's not the word I want to (laughs) use.
1: Well, it is incongruent. Mm -hmm. You know, the behavior doesn't match what you're saying. So that's what causes the confusion.
0: Yeah. The other thing that's really interesting is that even in this We talked about the LBGTQ plus community. There's also what we call the poly community. So that's more of more than two parents raising children. It's these relationships that are developing where there might be multiple, more than one or two couples living together or, you know, three people or whatever that, that poly relationship looks like. And then they raise the children, you know, they're raising children too. Once again, it's not. A judgment on anybody. Everybody, you know, with raising children, you know, they always say it takes a village and yeah, it takes a village.
1: Being understanding and helping that child to navigate that because it doesn't fit within the social construct of the norm as as society, you know, sees things. So I think being, thinking about that, keeping that in mind with kids and helping them through that.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I have poly clients and that's what I'll talk with them about, you know, when they're having, if they're deciding to have kids or have kids, how do you help them to navigate this? I don't know why this just came to my head. And maybe it's because I saw this uh, article about this couple who went on a trip and they were all excited because they're nudist. So they actually raised their children nudist too. And it's like, how comfortable would those kids be to say, oh yeah, I can you know, we're nudist. They probably wouldn't be. (laughs) because it's not a social norm. So when we look at this and we're talking there is such a wide range of parenting or of of family systems, we have blended families, you know, we have we have military families who sometimes will share their space with another family even because maybe they don't have housing yet or whatever it is. Sometimes it's financial. You know, I saw a meme the other day, why do we have these families that are blended or what they call it poly? It's cuz nobody can afford to The housing these days, so you have to have more people. You kind of, you know, it's funny, but at the same time, they're like, Oh my God, there's some truth to that.
1: Yeah. It (laughs) takes seven people to buy a house. I think it's
0: something like that. And it is. It's, you know, and so sometimes people do it. There's so many different reasons that there are the the blending of the families. And, you know, what we call the traditional family system, you do not see as much. You know, it just doesn't exist. And, you know, once again, we can just look at our divorce rate. But not only that, we are having, and this is really interesting, we are having more women who are deciding to have children without getting married. Right. They don't want the marriage, they want the child. But we have some men too. So we're having a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of different ways that families are looking these days that are really, really different than the way they used to be. And then we have the cultural component where some cultures even in the United States it is unco- it would they will have their grandparent live with them and help in the raising of the children so that becomes that part of the unit military families do that they might have the grandparent both grandparents or just one grandparent come and live with them because of deployments and all of those things and working so that grandparent now becomes part of the unit but I always tell you got to be talking because you got to be sharing the same ideas and the same values. Because otherwise you're having one treat teach this value, one teach this value. And then the other thing we run into when we talk even about divorces and remarriage and all that is overcompensation. I you know June, you know, we talked with June about that. The thing is, is that you start feeling bad for the child because, oh man, now dad doesn't live here or mom doesn't live here. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to give you, give you, give you, give you. And now we've created another problem. You know, I've talked with you about your mom, even with your brother, when you when you adopt the kids out of the system, but I have this with other parents who have had, who have adopted kids out of the system is, oh, well, poor them, they've had this life. So I'm gonna overcompensate. Overcompensating is not the same as loving. When you love them, that is really what they need. Giving them, buying them stuff, Letting them break the rules, giving them that extra mile and all that. That's not the, what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is truly loving your children, truly loving the people within your system, not just your children within the system. And you don't do that through things.
1: I mean, people gifts, but that's, that's only a, a small piece. That's not what constitutes the love that you give because the love comes with support and things like that. That's not, it's not just about material things. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think too, when you're talking about that love and, you know, and then I will have some parents who will say, well, oh, I just love my kids so much. But then when we're talking, it's, it's also what is a healthy love because sometimes parents will love with condition and things like that. And I see that. And that's not what this is about It's truly just loving somebody for who they are. What well, not with, they represent to you, not what they can give you or things like that. But oftentimes we will get confused by some of those things. And then we, it creates another issue. So when I'm talking about loving someone, I'm saying just accepting the flaws of the individual or whatever that is, and just really loving them and nurturing them and helping them to, and especially with children, help them to realize their dreams and their potential and their self-worth. Because oftentimes when I'm seeing people in as adults, it's because that part's been missing. And so they're trying to find it somewhere else. And sometimes that's why they make bad decisions. And what and it's not saying that parents are fault of this for what children are doing later on in life. What it's saying is how do we how to just create and foster that positive that um more effective, positive home environment? Because that becomes beneficial to the parent themselves too. Well, teaching the child to think for themselves.
1: You know, it's not just about, you know, yes, you may have came out okay the way that you were raised, but that doesn't mean that if you're just teaching them your old ways of thinking or whatever, it's not really teaching them to be that individual, to think for themselves, to be a productive citizen. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) You know, one of the things I I work One of the areas of my practice is I do work with the LBGTQ plus community and I work with transgenders and I had a a transgender come out a few weeks ago to, he came out, she came out to her parents. And one of the things, you know, I work with them and, and these parents are doing the best that they can and trying to navigate this, trying to understand this and kudos to them. And I was also explaining to my client, I, I, I told her, I said, you have to understand, you've been processing this a lot longer than them So, because this has been a part of who you are. And when you come out and tell them, and we talked about mourning the loss of the other one, so I have another transgender, and he goes, well, I don't get that. Why would you even do that? So I sat down and had a conversation with them. that, you know, when you're born and you're born that assigned gender, whatever you want to call it. That's all that parent knows. They don't know what's going on in your head and in your body. They only know what they see. And then so that, you know, now you're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, and you're telling them, no, I'm the other gender. The only thing they've ever seen in their head and all of the plans, everything has only revolved around that other gender. So then I tell people who come out in the lbgtq plus community, when you come out, If your parent, friends, whatever, have an adverse reaction at first, hold space for them for a moment. See if it's something that they're just shocked by, upset, uh, hurt that you didn't come to them sooner. There's all these, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on with that person who's also learning this. And I always tell them, hold space. Give them a minute. If they can't or they choose not to, then the relationship is in jeopardy and, and that's something different. But if you hold space and they say, you know, and the parent comes back because I've had this, I just didn't understand some of this so I had to become educated on it. If you had ended that relationship because of that initial reaction, like I told, uh, the, you would have never had this relationship with your father. So because there was already love and nurturing that took place. So these parents are already loved you and sometimes, you know, whether it's culture, religion or society, it doesn't matter. We formulate these opinions on these different topics, but we still have to give them space. Your mom is a good example of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think, like you were saying, parents have an idea of what something's going to look like. You know, a lot of times, whether they're envisioning a wedding or whatever, or grandchildren or those kinds of things. And, and if someone, comes to them and, you know, if their child comes to them and says about being transgender, I think one of the best things that helped me when you explained to me how that the parent kind of may go through like a mourning kind of process, realizing that the child, they knew that, that that's not the reality for them. And so having to make that adjustment, I could see how that could take some time. Hopefully they are through that process, not cruel But sometimes people react that way. Just understanding, like you said, maybe giving them some space, maybe that changes with time. You can always hope.
0: And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. I always tell my clients, I'm not a miracle worker. I don't have a magic wand that can change people if it's something that's really deep-seated with them. But, you know, kudos to you, Christy, because even with your mom's really strong negative reaction to you coming out to our relationship. You held space for her.
1: Yeah, I feel like that I gave her time to sit with that. And, you know, she was unhappy and not, you know, always didn't always have kind words to say. But I feel like that it's been worth it. The relationship that I've had in the last however many years, um, it was worth giving that time. Because at least there is, you know, some relationship and that we've been able to have good times
0: since then. We've vacationed together, things like that. You know, she moved here to be closer. And, but once again, sometimes we have to hold that space, even though coming out is our story. It's, it's about us. We have to realize it's not just really about us because we've had these relationships and all of the relationships have been based on what that person's perception has been of us because that's what we've presented.
1: If it was really only about you, there would be no need for you to come out. Exactly. <laughs> Coming out is about the other people
0: too. So you have to realize that. Yeah. And so I think those are the things. And, and once again, that's part of that, those family systems and the things that we're kind of dealing with more, not that LBGTQ plus community has not always been there, But they've just been closeted much longer because society had to, you know, it's it's a work in progress. They've been fighting this fight for a very long time. And I'm grateful for everybody who's been fighting that because today I hope the young people understand that they're coming out and having the acceptance they do. And in the school systems even and even with parents, because there's more exposure to it, it's getting easier. Is it where it needs to be? No. Are we still having violence against that? Absolutely. And even like the parents that transgender just came out to them, their con- it, it, it was really hard for her to understand. Their concern is for her safety because they are older and they have the mentality of 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, that's what it was for me, for my brother as well. I was, you know, afraid for him to come out because I didn't want it to be hard on him. You know, he was very young. And so I didn't want people to be cruel to him.
0: Exactly. So a lot of times I think people don't understand in a a family system is sometimes they view that as a negative because they don't sit down and have that conversation. And sometimes it is fear. It is fear for the safety of somebody that you love. And so that, I think if people would, have those more open conversations and remember that the family system already had the establishment of the love and of that place of belonging. But we create stuff in our head, I guess, when one comes out, I don't know. And like I said, for me, I felt my parents loved me. I never doubted that. But it was what would be their reaction becoming because coming from a Latin family, It's a little bit different. You know, there's this cultural components to it. And I always tell Christy, my parents were, they were older people, but they were way ahead of their time in their thought processes and, and their views of the world. And I so appreciate that. And I think that is what has really helped me. And I think a lot of, and all on my siblings too, that were forward thinking. And that doesn't mean that everybody in my family was accepting of me. And that's very different for me because in my world, what was relevant and important was my, my parents and then my siblings that were my sister Alice was the one who I came out to first. And she was just excited for me. And she just wanted me to have somebody in my life that would love me and that I could love. And for me, that was that found that started that foundation for me of, Oh my gosh. It gave me that confidence I needed because of her love for me. And I so appreciate that to this day because that was the first person and there was no negative to it. And then, you know, when I talked with my parents, there was nothing negative about it. And not that my siblings have ever come to me directly and said, this is wrong or whatever, but you pick up on those things. And there were moments, but they were few and far between. So I appreciate that with my family system. I really do. And like I said, My sister, Sarah, we were just at her house. She's very accepting of Christy and stuff. But once again, it started with our family system. And so if nothing else, walking away from this podcast today is understanding that we all want to have a sense of belonging. And the best place that starts is in our family system. And it doesn't matter if it's traditional, non-traditional, blended, any of the other things. Helping people to feel belong that like they belong and like they are loved.
1: Cause that's definitely where it begins. Systemic change is slow. Yes. You can see that, but things are changing. I mean, we're there. Society's throwing out a lot of traditions that has been long held. You know, you're seeing changes happen, but you're right. It has to start within the home.
0: Absolutely. And. You're right. And when we look at that societal thing and, and understanding that we navigate this society, there's a lot that we're navigating. And then, you know, you throw everything that's gone on in the last, it's going on two years now, <laughs> the start of covid that shifted a lot of stuff for us, too. And then we had to learn to navigate that. And parents had to learn to navigate different, having kids at home and doing all that. And then it created anxiety and stuff. But it's because we focus so much on what wasn't working or all the changes that we forgot to focus on the most important thing. And that was our family systems, our relationships. How do we express that and show that we let the heaviness of everything that was going on impact us? And we forgot to get to those, back to those fundamental things of just loving and nurturing and being in the moment with those relationships and with our family systems and stuff. And I know it's been hard on families, but I promise you, we will navigate this as well because historically we have navigated the adversity that has come at us. But it is through our compassion and all of those things that are relevant and important but we continue to lose sight of them every once in a while. And that's okay. We all do. But the thing is, is how do we get back to it? How do we get back to starting at that fundamental thing of just starting in our home? Loving, nurturing in our home. So then that spreads out. I tell my clients, there's always, there's always some cause going on. And I get that. And they'll feel that sense of helplessness. And I always tell them, listen, everything starts in our home. What do you do to make those positive changes in your home? I said, and then from your home, it can go to your community. And then from your community, it can go to your state and on and on and on and on. But it has to start where you have that sense of control. And something that is that change that you can make. And that change starts in your home. Whether you have children or you don't have children, whether you're single or you're not, whether you're a blended family, it doesn't matter. Even if you're a child. If you want to see change, sometimes a child, I tell him, you need to, if you want to be responsible outside in the world, how are you being responsible in your home? It starts in our home. It starts with those relationships. How do we nurture? How do we love? How do we create that, those senses of uh, having self-confidence and self-esteem, that sense of belonging starts in the home. And of everything else, it starts with how do we love people? And how do we show that love? And it's going to be different for everybody. And there's no one way is the right way or one size fits all. We find it within ourselves. And then that's what we put out. And so whether you're a single parent, married, non-traditional, two women, two men, poly, whatever, know that every single one of you out there has the potential and do raise some amazing, amazing children who go on to do great and amazing things. And when I say great and amazing, I'm not talking about finding a cure for that or whatever. I mean, great and amazing as they walk away happy, healthy individuals. And knowing how to love other people. And trust other people and do and create those relationships. As you talked about with your cousin, he's an amazing young man there are so many qualities about him that was just simply due to the fact that his grandmother loved him and he knew his mom did. And that's all, that was the driving thing with him.
1: He gave himself worth and initiative. He's, you know, taught himself to play the
0: guitar. He reads a lot. He wants to know things. Yes. And so hopefully this gives you guys some ideas and a place to start in combination with our last podcast. Um Just feeling like there's hope and support and stuff out there is really important. Thank you so much once again for joining us because this is organic. There's a good possibility that this, our next episode will be on um it's going to be on parenting, but it's not parenting in the same way because we really want to talk about the non-neurotypical. We have more and more, children today on the autism spectrum and it is very hard for parents and being able to to let them know that there is support out there and stuff so it's a good possibility that our next uh, episode is going to be on autism spectrum but we're going to try to get uh, some guests on here and if we can make that happen then that will definitely be our next podcast okay we'll be able to get them to join us next time and please, you know, take that time to go to the Facebook page and leave your comments and stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, this is, you know, it's a, a general thing, but there may be, you know, situational stuff that you have questions about or that. And I, I think it would be great if um, we had feedback on, on Facebook.
0: And understand it doesn't have to be anything about what we've even talked about. Share your thoughts. Doesn't matter what it is. Share your feelings. Doesn't matter. Just communicate with us and anyway we look forward to talking chatting soon yes have a great day bye Bye.